Hiya, my name is Vidura and welcome to the 20s Convos podcast with Wally and Toby. On this podcast, Wally and Toby have conversations about life, society, culture, childhood, relationships, the world and everything in between. The 20s Convos podcast is all about sharing stories, journaling life and building a community across the world. Enjoy the episode. now in Ilmenau it's a very very small city okay. i was in munich before from bayern munich you should know munich yeah <laughs> football club and you know bayern itself the state or okay let me just don't let me generalize because i didn't travel too much in bayern but in munich right it was like um German, they say Hochnäsig, yeah. So it's like the people who the elites kind of in Germany. So it's mm. a lot more different. Like you cannot be on the bus and be shouting or in the tram and be like making really fo- loud calls. Mm. <laughs> people are gonna look at you like you're crazy. So it's like some kind of elitist society, kind of. I mean, eh. But Berlin is really free-spirited. Like, there's everybody. There's just everything. And it's just fun, right? So it was, it, or it's always been a different thing for me. The city that I'm in right now is also, a, I won't say it's like Munich, but yeah. it's like, um, would I say watered down, not elitist, but like in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like a university city. Mm. or town now what you would call uh, about a a town or a city of 12,000 inhabitants I don't know or less so it's not a very big whatever place and it's just because of the university that it's it's not even very well known but yes I'm working at the university and so that's why I moved to this awesome awesome so that means you've lived in three cities now no more than in Germany oh shit <laughs> you want me counting, even though you may never know the place. <laughs> Please count. So I when I came to Germany in 2016, I first of all lived in Ludwigshafen. It's also a very small town. And um then I moved to Mannheim, or I was living in Ludwigshafen and going to school in Mannheim, right? So it was like me in two different cities, so to say. But Mannheim is way bigger than Ludwigshafen. So I moved at some point to Mannheim because I just wanted to be closer to school. And then after Mannheim, I went back to another town, a very small town for school again. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I moved to Munich. No, before I moved to Munich, I went, I lived in Berlin. Then I came back to my small town. <laughs> then I moved to Munich. And now I'm here. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more moving around once you're off the continent. There's just that tendency for it to be easier, right? Like I feel like in, in most in most other like maybe African cities or East West Africa, you're once you stay some, once you find somewhere a bit comfortable, you're usually there for the long term as opposed to like bouncing around. Like you don't see people saying, Oh, I was in Lagos, then I moved to Ibadan, then I moved to Ogun State. Exactly, like, exactly. It's always like something, maybe something is taking them there, like either it's NYSE or stuff like that. But once people like yeah career city to settle down is usually that you know for the longest mm-hmm. time yeah. yeah i mean i always say it like it's easy for me to pick up my bags and leave anywhere because i'm not attached to any place you know like the mm-hmm. only I kind of feel attachment to is home which is nigeria you know mm-hmm. and but here it's just like it feels temporary every time so it's just like okay 
you know, <laughs> I can live anywhere. Mm. <laughs> like anyone asked me, oh, wait, I, you don't live in Munich anymore. I'm like, no, I moved. And they're like, <laughs> so easily. Like I moved. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so what am I supposed to say? I moved. <laughs> and it's I weird because, yeah, because, well, because, because, because it sounds like no matter where you move to, it still feels like you're not anyway, at yeah. home anyway. Yeah. You're still I, away. Honestly speaking, I do not know if this is my last destination, in fact. So, it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't even sound like it. It's like, I, if, if you told me you were settling here, I'll still like put a question mark on it. Um, but it's quite I mean, interesting. Like, do you think it's because also, like, I feel like, you know, in, in most cities, things are always a bit more, I guess, up to speed in that sense. Like, if you're moving to a new apartment, it's most likely a bit furnished. Things are usually like ready to plug and play, as opposed to, say, if you're moving houses a lot in Lagos or in a different city, you almost have to like hit restart in that sense. Like, do you think that makes it easier to just, you know, up and go, like you've said? Yeah, I feel like that's part of the reasons why it makes it easier. Also, because, um, uh, first thing, let's talk about the yeah, like the easy part of it, moving and having a house ready that is almost furnished. I mean, in Germany, on the other hand, right, a lot of people do not know that we buy kitchens here, which means like not all houses come with kitchen. I know your face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> the kitchen, I'm like, that wasn't the word I was expecting after that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like one time I was talking to my dad and I was like, oh, I have to wait for them to bring my kitchen until then I cannot cook. And he's like, bring your kitchen. How? And I'm like, kitchens don't come with our house here all the time. If it comes with your house, then it's luxury. Hmm. Be grateful. Otherwise, we buy kitchens. Like they're self-fitting kitchens that you buy online. And then they come, they bring them, they deliver the, the kitchen, and then they fix there's always a space for you need to build the kitchen. Wow. It's weird, right? Wow, interesting. <laughs> I think you guys don't have that in the UK, really. It's not a general mm-hmm. practice. I mean, know. I mean, not particularly in the way you've said it. I've, I mean, first of all, I've never heard the term buy kitchen. So <laughs> definitely not in the UK. I think you might get houses, houses that are unfurnished over here, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might have to get some things. So maybe in that sense, you're buying a kitchen by buying the utensils, appliances, and what's up. But I think in most houses that you probably move into, or even maybe buy or whatever, you already have your... Um, <laughs> point is my kitchen at the back. Um, <laughs> you already have your your setup there, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but again, I, I do I do think there's some houses that you obviously go under this. You have to furnish yourself. But most cases, and you get no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but I mean, like, I'm glad you said all of that because that even gives a good segue into this chat we want to have as well in terms of this immigrant life, this immigrant experience, immigrant paradox. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, this, the thoughts also came from when, you know, I thought about, I think it was just recent times as well, like I said to you earlier, when I thought about, okay, like, we're all in these different places, even 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 though you even though you are still in Africa, you're in Ghana. So you're not where you were born, you know. And I was thinking, well, so what is what is this now? Like what is going on? So like is this where we want to end up dying? Like what is our plan? But even but even even if even like before going even that far, mm-hmm. I just thought about the fact that it is actually so easy to overlook how difficult it is to come to a new place. 
is. and just start living. Mm-hmm. And I say that for a number of reasons. So on one end, I remember, you know, when I meet people, British people here, you know, girls or just people around and they'd be like, oh, like, where's your family? I'm like, family's back home. And you're like, wow, like, how did you cope? Like, how are you coping? Mm-hmm. And that must be hard, you know, like, how are you doing it, being away from them, you know? And, and they genuinely mean that concern. Like, I can see in their faces. Mm-hmm. And at those moments, they were telling me, it never actually clicked to me that this was actually deeper than, just moving. like, me, me living my entire life mm-hmm. is not is actually deeper than what i actually did mm-hmm. until now i'm realizing that i think actually even lockdown has made that even more prominent that yo you know this is actually serious and when you then have phone calls with home right and then you like and like maybe you have you have like a video whatsapp call you realize that actually the same way you're aging is the same way everybody left behind is also aging mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then you're like yo okay like fam i've <laughs> actually like been away for, for time <laughs> and then we then bring it back to the other argument of of like you know you're in this new place you have to assimilate adjust you know change how you change fit in fundamentally and it's tough right and you know yeah. like someone I, I read an article where the guy said you know as an immigrant you're often the youngest kid in in the, in the family because you know you're the one who was last to get anything right mm-hmm. you're the one who probably will get blamed for anything you're the one who probably just feels like you have to look up to those who were there before you or just respect them just because they were there, not because of what they can actually do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and it's even weird because even times like, for example, election periods now, when there's debates on TV uh, about stuff, you know, they might be arguing about migration and like, oh, is that me you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you you get all those, all, all those feelings as well. And it's just mm-hmm. like, there's so much that comes with being an immigrant whether you're an immigrant from, you know, a single person coming to live in a different country, someone who came to their family. There's so many feelings involved in that. And I thought, actually, it's good to, be, to talk about it as well. And also not just, I think I, I think what I actually also wanted to talk about it with you was because you've gone to also a, a country that is not English speaking, right, by default, right? And, you know, in our, in, in our circles, in our circles, it, it tends to be UK, US, Canada, in mm-hmm. most cases, mm-hmm. right, you rarely find people in other countries that don't speak English or other countries beyond those three that I mentioned. So I thought mm-hmm. actually that actually is also a good insight into, and now I've learned that you guys buy kitchens. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess, so I guess let me just start off by asking, even like asking you both, like you and Toby, and just like, even before you even got to, you know, Germany and Ghana, like, uh, and, and I start with you today, why did you leave? What was the prompt to leave? Like, what was the cause? Why did you leave? What made you leave, um, Nigeria? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I left Nigeria. It was actually very. It was a very well thought out plan. Hundred <laughs> percent. It just. It was just like an opportunity that dropped in my lap, and I just grabbed it. Okay, so. I studied German as a foreign language in Nigeria, right? In UI. And I finished top of my class. I really wanted to get a job maybe in an oil company. Wait, sorry, sorry. Sorry to cut you off so early. But before you actually go on, why did you study? German as German? a foreign language. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that, I'm <laughs> yeah, actually curious to hear that. It's, it's very interesting because I really wanted to study law. Hmm. And um, so as it was then, I think my cutoff or I did not reach the cutoff for law in UI or something like that. 
And my dad wanted me to study law by all means, right? He was even considering going to Bowen and all of that. And I was just like, no, I really want to stay in UI. I really want to stay in Ibadan, also because of my brother, right? And then I told my dad that I was going to do something else. You know, the way you can do a change of course and stuff like that in UI. Mm. You can study something initially and then later go and study what, you know, you actually wanted to study. Mm. So in my own case, I was looking for like uh, a, a course that had like a lower cutoff that I could you know, squeeze myself in. And once I'm in the system, it will be easy for me to move around and change. So in my own case, right, I chose German as a foreign language because at that point, like almost no one would, you know, would uh, apply directly for that course in, in Nigeria, in the university, right? Like more than 60% of people in the in the department were people that maybe got flushed out from other parts of, you know, arts or other departments or just really wanted to use that as, you know, a stepping stone into their whole, you know, uh, educational system in UI. Mm. So for me, my cutoff mark was very good for that department. And then they, they gave me the admission and I was happy. And I said, oh, finally, now I can go to the university. Mm. And I started... <laughs> As naive as I was, there were forms that were, you know, given to us to fill and sign. And I did not know that I had signed something silly in the beginning. So this form was to show that, or it was just me agreeing to the fact that even if whatever happens, that I'm not permitted to leave the department in the second year or third year or any time, that I'm not able to cross. Wow. That's what the admission was conditional. Yeah. I must accept that fact. And because I was so naive, I didn't even read through. I was just happy, right? And I signed this. <laughs> and it wow. turned out top of my class. At that point, I was the only one in the first class after my first year. Mm. So I was their best student. <laughs> How would they let their best student go? <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that point, and... You know, I you know how you use leg for many things now. I put in leg, different leg. They brought out the paper, black and white. You signed it, Ayo. And I was just dumbfounded. My dad told me, that's how you sign your life. You sign your life out. Like, I was so excited. And then I signed the paper and I was stuck. Stuck? Because now, I mean, in the end, when I think about it, I don't think I would have flourished in law like I am now, right? So maybe everything just works out for good, right, in the end. Mm. But like in the beginning, it started off as a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and I stayed there, but then I was so serious with the whole thing because I was like, ah, don't worry, I'm going to leave anyways. I'm going to probably go to Babcock or Bowen. But after that first year, right, I, like my lecturers got really interested in me and they just, put in a lot of work. I had a white teacher as well, a German teacher. And, you know, she just really put in work. She was like, oh, you're doing good. You know, you should keep doing this. And I think I was the youngest in my class or maybe I was second to the youngest in my class. So she really took interest in me and I continued to get better. So my results wasn't getting bad. <laughs> I was on the first class, I think, third year or, or so. Then after that, because I continued to play and I'm like, oh, nothing is going to come out of it anyways. 
until my fourth year, right? Okay, no, from my third year, I started getting scholarships and it looked a little bit more attractive. I'm like, okay, maybe we could do this, right? And it was they were all like, you know, very good at an attractive scholarships, you know? So I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so my fourth year, and then I stayed. And so the reason why I left, now it's surrounded or it surrounds this whole fourth year in the university. So I didn't know that... Um, if you finish top of your class or if you're one of the first two, three best or people or whatever in the department or in that unit, German unit, uh, the university or the department kind of uh, suggests your name to a scholarship body that's called Conrad Adenauer. So Conrad Adenauer is the first democratic president of Germany. And then there's an organization in his name. Right. So um, they suggest your name. OK, for further studies and all that. And. You know, my lecturer just said it to me again. I just thought it was just one of those, you know, normal scholarship where we can cash in, you know. And I'm like, ah, why not? Go ahead, you know, drop in my name. And it turned out, like, okay, um, you got the scholarship and you're going to study in Germany, all expense paid. And I'm like, huh? Wow. <laughs> okay. And it started like, okay, you know, it was so much fun because in the initial stage where, you know, we went to was it Addis Ababa or Ivory Coast? I think it was Ivory Coast. Like we had the selection process going on there. You know, someone picking us up. Uh, you know, VIP. It just felt really good. And I said, "Let's go through, man." <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I said it wasn't really planned out. It just looked attractive to me, right? And I kept on with the flow. And um, I got the during the whole selection process, and you know, I got through, and then I got the letter. I think I think I even told my family just two weeks before I was traveling. I said, ah, "No, I'm going to Germany." Like, ah, where are you going? <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my days!" Like, where? Which Germany? Mm-hmm. You know, on the side, my dad had already thought about. Oh, she's finishing this year. Okay, let her move to America and really study something better. Mm-hmm. That was what my dad always thought about. It was just like. But I just never thought anything good could come out of just studying German. You know, it was just, you know, now African parents say, you have yeah. to be a lawyer, a doctor, or engineer, you know? <laughs> and I wasn't any of that, right? <laughs> My brother was studying computer science, right? So he was a little bit on that side, yeah. you know, technical side. Yeah. And my sister was a pharmacist. Wow. Where are you coming oh, from? Oh, my days. You're German, like... <laughs> you know, so, you know, and I'm like... As she said, ah, me, I'm going to Germany. And my grandma was like, ah, where, how? How, oh, like, how did Called it? my dad immediately and said, did your daughter tell you that she's going to Germany? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, no, where, how? <laughs> and I'm like, got a scholarship and I'm going to study in Germany. Hmm. Wow, okay. Um, do we need to do anything? I'm like, no, it's all expense paid. Hmm. So, like, <laughs> from my door, from my doorstep at home, to Germany, like all expense paid, really was that intense. Wow. Like every penny was calculated for from taxi to my flight to Germany to picking me up from the airport in Germany to my apartment in Germany, then to school, to having allowance. So my school was paid for. I was collecting allowance. My dear was attractive. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know, so it was was really covered. And... Mm -hmm. I didn't really need support from home, so to say. That's why I said, like, it wasn't something I really sat down to think about. But in the end, it worked out, right? Mm. And I came, I studied, 
I met a lot of um, international students that didn't have the same stories as mine because they had plans. Like they knew that they were mm. coming to Germany or maybe they wanted to go to the US, like you mentioned, or the UK. And figured out that, okay, it was expensive to do all those things and decided to settle for Germany because Germany had very low tuition fees, you know, and so they were just, okay, maybe Germany is also not a bad idea. So mm. mine, I was just going with the flow. I applied for, I didn't even apply for my master's until I was here. Like, wow. I just did, and I got one, and I said, let us go to school, let's go and do master's, you know. <laughs> it was just like, but I just knew at that point that I didn't want to continue studying German, German, like the um the, the grammatic aspect of it and all that. That's what I did initially, because, you know, when you're going with the flow to kind of you start to realize, okay, I really want to do something with my life. Not, yeah, just, you know, not just um learning how to speak a language, right? So I decided to study something more in the area of communication, just to be like, you know, so my German is more like my basis, so to say. And now I'm on level of communication. So it's like, okay, I speak more than one language, and now I won't call myself an expert but like a communication specialist sort of you know mm, something mm, like that. Mm. makes all sense now and um talking about integrating like i said <laughs> because i didn't plan for a lot of things right i there were a lot of see when no I it's, it's 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 uh, <laughs> it's quite your but like i need to actually acknowledge how crazy this story is that you just said <laughs> and 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 i think for anyone listening like Maybe for me, actually, me just listening right here, I find it amazing because you know. So, like, I think two episodes ago, we spoke to Olamide from from ISL, right? Yeah. And we're talking about about how we're talking about how you know you can go through life up, up to where we are now, and there's so many things that can that can tip us in different directions without us even knowing at the time. Yeah. And and what what you've just said, even from the fact that you just you just filled a form with for Germany hoping to switch to law <laughs> and you ended up it is it is mind-blowing right and yeah. and I think sometimes it's it's good to see this kind of mind-blowing stories because it mm-hmm. gives someone less pressure on things because some of us are just going through life you know trying to figure out things all at once all at once all at once but sometimes I guess I guess things just fall into place um but on that same front like like Toby like hearing that you know she know how I said just mentioned or why she left yeah. You know, so obviously hers was more of an educational route, right? What yeah. was yours? What was your motivation? Yeah, so mine, there was kind of like no motivation behind it. It's almost as random as I was I attended zone in that sense. And why I say that is because um by the time it was happening or by the time what was going on was becoming real, it was just me saying, Oh, okay, I have the chance to move to Ghana. Fine, sure, let's see how it's like. So I was I was working with a company, um, my first company before I left, uh, and they were, I helped set up their office in Nigeria, but they were essentially based in Ghana, right? So maybe once in a while, we'd go to Ghana to see what the office was like and just have general team meetings. But like the entire focus was really trying to build out the base in Nigeria. Um, And I think about 18 months in, an opportunity opened up to join like the core team, was to switch teams to the team in Accra. And they tried to find somebody else on the outside and they couldn't fill it up. So they reached out to, to me. They're like, oh, am I interested? And like at that point, I never really, like I thought about leaving Nigeria for school to the UK or something, but um, I got the admission to the school where is at right now, but I didn't get the scholarship. And I'm like, I don't have 
worth £20,000 to pay for anything. So let me just stick my ass down until something better comes. And so at that point in time, I wasn't really thinking about it. I was already trying to, okay, um, since we're not doing education, let's build our career in a different kind of way. And then this opportunity came up. And to be honest, I've never thought of Ghana as a place to go to. Like, it never. I know my friends had gone there for vacation at some point, and they mentioned how the Coke and Fanta they take taste different. Or, <laughs> you know, like, like I remember no. that. I don't no. know. No, so, so I think I think the narrative was the ones that were in Ghana were the imported ones from outside, and so it was a better quality than the ones mm. we're getting in Nigeria. I don't know how true that is, but I remember that being a story. I was. Well, I would not be surprised to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 that was kind of like my only representation of Ghana. I think before that I'd gone to Ghana once and it felt like it just felt nice, but it wasn't like I thought about building a life there. But at that point in time, um and I just like so what 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 really spread it on was I was just settling down into Lagos as well. Um and I think my rent was already coming up and I was just thinking about it, like, okay, fine, if my rent is coming up, um maybe just now it might be just good to save all the money of like trying to find a new place and just you know go with this flow as i attended said and so um the opportunity felt nice obviously it was all expense paid as well i didn't have to worry about immigration work permits all of these things because it was my company that was moving me so it, it felt like an opportunity too good to pass up and in my head i actually thought okay even if i get to ghana and it's not nice it's just a 45 minute flight away and i'm back you know it's not <laughs> Like it's not it's not a big deal. Like yeah. I'm going, but it's not a big deal to come back even if it doesn't work out. So um I did it and I do not regret it because yeah, a, a, a lot has no 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 not in that oh I've left Niger kind of sense, even though there's that, but it's more like a lot more opportunities opened <laughs> up. And and even my first trip to the UK came on the back of me being in Ghana for the first mm-hmm. like four days of me being yeah. in Ghana. Right. It was very it was, it was, like even my UK trip was as random as I attended. this. And like the only reason why I went for the event or the thing they put together that day was because I was tired of staying. Like my room didn't have an AC yet and it was really hot. And I, like my partner had recommended me for this thing where you were going to stay in Golden Tulip, which was the five star hotel in Accra for two days. And I'm like, you know what? Like, let me just enjoy this AC and hotel life. And then my plan was to go to the hotel and then go to work and just ignore the conference side. But that day, you know, there was a whole bus. I was like, okay, let me just join them to the conference. And I got to the conference and they were talking about the whole thing they were doing. And they mentioned, so there's a fellowship in the UK for two months, all expense paid. You don't have to do anything. Ah. And I'm like, wait, so why did you put this thing on the form? Like, why, why am I getting here now <laughs> finding out? So as, at that point, I just had to take it seriously. And it was a very, there wasn't anything much you had to do, like be present, fill out an application and then leave it up to them. And me, like all of us have applied for different things before. So I just put a bit more effort in and, you know, I got in and I was like, wow, okay, so I'm going to the UK, all expense paid trip as well, allowances. And it was just a very, so yeah, my introduction into Ghana and then, you know, even getting to the UK was also quite, quite interesting. So yeah, I didn't think about it too much and it was just me going with the flow, um, long story short, um, on this side. Unless like this going with the flow thing seems to be a theme, and <laughs> and and it just and 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 it just it just strikes me that that in this life yeah, opportunity can just be any anywhere like mm. any 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 nook any cranny, mm. yeah. and you can never know where it's gonna come from, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes like even if you're not sure where it might lead, you just good to take it mm. because mm. you can like even for you to be like. You're not you're not sure where everything leads to. I think you're not sure where everything leads to, but you just you just took it and exactly. and you kept getting shocked at each turn. And you're like, ah, ah, wow, wow, <laughs> deep, deep. But you know, so we so we've all left, you know, our place of birth. We're all in yeah. different countries now. And obviously there's a there's a there's a, the next step is integration. 
as an yeah. immigrant um, or as a newbie in that sense. And, you know, I think for me, I think, I think that is one part where I feel like challenges might then begin to, to emerge because you have the opportunity to go and get a better career, education, whatever, but then you then face these um, roadblocks and obstacles of integration, right? And I feel like that is hella difficult. You know, um, my very first day in the UK, like my very first day in the UK was a mess. First of all, I I lost my box. So I took I took someone else's box at the airport. <laughs> Terrible sign. They had they had to call my they they had to call my um so so I was so I was gonna go stay with my ex-girlfriend. So I, I put her phone number on the on the airline. So yeah. they had to call her and she called me at, at the airport, me waiting for my ride. And she was like, Yo, Wale, where's your box? I'm like, it's right here. And she goes, No, it's not. Your box is somebody else. I'm like, what? And then I and, and then I opened the box and I and I see like medicine, a broom. I'm like, what? Mm. Sorry for the language. Like <laughs> yeah, I saw a broom in the box. The way I ran across the airport. Anyway, so <laughs> don't let me make that story long. But my first day, my first day was, was as weird as it could be. My second day, in fact, was like, you know, when I was then going to her place, because I spent one night in London and then I was going to her place in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, even my first day, like I could I could see immediately that I did not fit in in how I was dressed. Mm-hmm. Right. Part of it was my fault because 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 I came, I traveled down here with two boxes that main box that i lost was a box full of food big yeah. box full of food my my other small box was a box full of my special special items some of them include clothing some of them did not so i pretty much left all my clothes in night which was which was, which was actually not a smart move to do but i don't know why i did it yeah, like and because i think i prioritized food anyway <laughs> so my, so from from like my second day in in the uk right i could just already see that i'm not fitting into this place like the way I'm dressing is not the way everybody's dressing. Like mm-hmm. you could just, you could just, you could just feel the yeah. vibe. So yeah. even, as, even as early as that, it was just like different, right? Let alone when you then meet people, you then get into the classroom or the office, you then get into meetings, you then get into you know local slangs that are used, you then get into knowing what words that people use to make you know that they don't mm-hmm. like you or they like you. It's mm-hmm. a whole flipping different ball game. Mm-hmm. So for you at a twin day, like you went to Germany, which is I've, I, which I anticipate to be a lot different, given called language. But then mm-hmm. again, you speak the language already, so that's a weird one. So let me just let me let you give us that snapshot of the integration process. How was that like for you? So, like uh, talking about my integration process, you know, like you said, how you could tell from the first you know instance that you did not fit in hundred percent. It was the same for me, even though I had studied German as a foreign language in Nigeria. You think, you know, you would think that I should be like, I can already speak the German. When <laughs> <laughs> we get there, we hustle it out. Yeah. But <laughs> it wasn't the case, my dear brothers. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was as if they were speaking Patois or another language in my ear. Mm-hmm. See, I had passed exams, my dear. See, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I, I was on a B2 level. Mm-hmm. But I, <laughs> The announcement at the train station, like when you get to the airport and then you have to take train to the city that you're going to, and I just lost. What are we doing here? <laughs> you know, at that point, I'm like, ah, wow. But, you know, at that point, right, they, I think like the scholarship body did that on purpose, kind of that 
let's see how you fit in from the first date, right? Like the other places, they had pickups for us ready. But this one, you were given your ticket to find your way to the whatever, to the hostel, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Everything was given to you. Now, your independent life starts now. Mm. And there, I was just, <clears throat> okay. At that point, all the German that I knew probably flew out of my head, you know, trying to ask for help. And, you know, I was looking so, of course, you you know how I had like four luggage or something like that because my grandma at the last point when she knew that I was traveling, she packed almost everything you can imagine. You know, I had my clothes, I had books. I didn't know because it was not well planned, like I said. So I had so much luggage and this tiny me dragging everything. So a lot of people were like back up, like, mm. Don't talk to me per se, you know. And I was just, I was a little bit frustrated in the beginning. Hmm. Then I found my way, and then my aunt picked me up and took me home. And to, then I went later to my hostel. But so my my introduction into the society wasn't as pleasant as one would also imagine, considering the fact that I could or I already had a certain level of the, you know, a certain proficiency level of the language, hmm. and um, it felt like. I started to learn all over again. Mm. Whatever I learned in my book was good for me. It just maybe helped me to learn and catch up faster. Mm. But I basically started as though I knew nothing when I got here in Germany. Mm. Starting from learning how things are really called on the street. Like you said, the slangs, right? Mm. Not what they're called in the book, right? And learning how to do things the German way. So there are are things that you cannot and you can do and all of these things. So I had a huge culture shock, even though I had studied the culture, I'd studied the language, I had studied so many things, you know, pertaining to Germany. I still had a huge culture shock in Germany. And it kind of took me time to gradually fit in from getting to know more Africans here, you know, also leaning on my auntie that lives here and, you know, getting to just settle psychologically or mentally into the new environment. Like, it's a lot different here than it is in the UK on the others, you know, as one would imagine. Because it was, when I got here, I really knew I was a Black girl. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, I know I'm a Black girl, right? I'm Nigerian, but like, it really dawned on me when I got here. Like, that's when I started or unconsciously figured out my social identity. Like, Mm. okay, I'm a Black girl Mm. and I was Black. Mm. Black as Black could be, right? From someone creeping up to me in the store trying to touch my hair to people looking at me as though I was a walking billboard. Mm. It was was wild. And so even the language could not, could not save me at that point, right? I, I think even for the first four months or five months that I was in, in Germany, that I got to Germany, I had my luggage at the door because I just felt like I would never settle here, mm. right? Mm. I, I had wow. my luggage and I kept on calling my sister, like, I think I made a mistake. Mm. And then she's going to tell me, ah, you need to settle in. Hmm. well you are there already just do what you have to do and maybe after your master's you can come back and stuff like that but don't come back now Hmm. and I will cry hey I cried 
I will cry. I will go to class. I was the only black girl in my class. Hey, <laughs> teacher will talk. It's only just speaking one foreign language, man. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, it was. Hey, I cried. I think for the first three to four months, uh, no, I cried too much. Mm. But when I go out, I would, you know, boss up again, act like, oh, we're fitting it nicely. The food was also very different for me. Like, so Germans eat a lot of potatoes, right? Like, they have potato, whatever. Same here. Same, same. Yeah, okay. like you see. Potatoes in different variations, where you ah, think it's not possible not anymore. Possible. It is, it is <laughs> fantastic. I it's think they, they will make that potatoes in different ways. Hey, God, I said God. The potatoes that I was not eating in my own house, I've come here to eat it. <laughs> you know? So it's another thing, trying to fit in, you know, language-wise, trying to understand what, you, what you're being taught in school. Because mm. also, like, I felt... Um, indebted to the organization I brought hello it was all paid all expense paid and I'm like mm. I cannot mess up like mm. okay I'm in class I cannot even understand so okay let me go and eat maybe I'm hungry <laughs> because if you're hungry sometimes you will not hear anything <laughs> you go there you are trying to figure out what you are being served at the cafeteria just pushing your fork in let it go down you know and in the end you're not eating anything and then I go back to my hostel and then I tried to figure out how to cook some things. I put it together. And then in the end, it was just so lonely, right? Mm. And then going to class. And then also because most of my classmates were Europeans or Americans, a lot of them could, the Europeans could fit in faster because they had probably, you know, or they've come to Germany several times and they're quite used to the culture. Or I would not generalize that Europe, Europe has a general culture. Like, you know, like you mentioned about the kitchen now. I think it's maybe just Germany now. I don't know in Europe that buys kitchen. So it's like they could settle in faster and they kind of saw how pulled back I was, how distant I was. And so nobody really, you know, put in time to really pull me out of that place. But I mean, they throwed in offers from time to time. Oh, do you want to hang out with us later? Or do you want to go have some coffee? So in Germany, right? If, Someone said, oh, do you want to go have some coffee? It does not necessarily mean they're saying, let's go have coffee. It means let's go drink. It could be anything you want to drink. So I don't drink coffee a lot of times. See, I, you see all the things that come with the language again. Mm. I did not understand that it was not just coffee. I don't drink coffee. So I'm in my hand, why will somebody be inviting me for coffee to do long? Why? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'd rather just stay home and just drink apple juice or something mm-hmm. and it was only with time that I figured out that uh, okay you could actually have anything you want when you go out and mm-hmm. I feel like also because my class was um very mixed right but of course not mixed in the space of like Africa but like from other different countries Asia Europe and America um a lot more people were open right and it gradually helped me with my integration process you know it was Gradually me, you know, warming up to the American girl because we could speak more English together and meeting with the other mm. guys, you know, who wanted to learn English. And some people will laugh at your accent when you're speaking English and be like, you know, especially the the, the American friend who was always laughing. She would say, I just say this, you know, and then you say it and then they're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's like, okay, <laughs> my German is wobbly. My English too. 
you know me okay <laughs> let's just quiet you know and <laughs> so it was, uh, it was it was a lot i mean like we're we're laughing now but well, I now, but this is not it wasn't funny, funny then. Obviously, <laughs> when I reflect and everything seems funny, right? But like, <laughs> back then, you know, yeah. the answering of questions. And here, I don't know, like back home, I don't know if you guys have that also where you are, but back home wasn't you didn't necessarily have to answer questions in class. Mm. But here, in fact, maybe 10% of your participation in class makes up your uh, continuous assessment. Great. No. Oh, wow. Ah. I mean, I will keep quiet. I will just see that zero for that part. Ah, how? Like how? I was in the class. In the class I attended. <laughs> no, you did not participate. You attended. Participation is different from attendance. Ah, okay. Who will talk? And my course was in German. So, hey, God. Wow. Pulling myself out, you know, developing the courage to speak in front of people, especially like you have German, it's like, okay, they say, okay, come and speak German in front of the Germans, Germans. And then you're there hoping that you don't make a blunder. Yeah. So your head is working like a clock. Hey God, mm-hmm. I will not stop, you know. <laughs> and you're there trying to think, trying to put, you know, your thought process together and everything. It was just a little bit rough in the beginning. Yeah. Right? Gradually, I, you know, settled into the community of my classmates, right? I wouldn't say that I've integrated fully into the German society, per se. Um, I mean, I'm starting to be better, kind of, because I make conscious effort to do so, right? Because I felt like, just like I mentioned, like in the beginning, it's always been a temporary feeling for me, like, this is not my final destination. So, I never put in thought to integrate per se. It was not like on my checklist that, okay, integrate into the German society. Mm. But, you know, I just started to think, right, that if I would be here for even the next three years, I could as well integrate into the society, right? I mean, it would be terrible if after I leave here for, say, six years, okay, now I'll be five years in June here in Germany, and then I leave, and then someone asked me something about Germany and I don't have an answer. It's like, mm. what were you doing in Germany for the past five years? Or, you know, and integration is a big topic here in Germany, right? It's like, oh, you have to integrate into the society, speak German, you know, also do things the German way, like be punctual to meetings. If you noticed, I was like two minutes early to the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. Like, um, oh my God. early. And, you know, it just so it shows, you know, it's a sign of respect that you respect the people that you're meeting with. And, you know, because people already have stereotype of African time when they know, oh, oh she's African. Oh, she's going to come late. Mm. So, yeah, you know, putting in effort to disappoint or surprise them and just come in mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. It kind of became my thing. I'm not always early. <laughs> and it's not all Germans that are early, but like I put conscious effort like into being early and um so many other parts i mean i still do not know all the nitty-gritties of the german culture i feel i still feel somehow just like you mentioned i worry about immigration when people are talking about okay immigrant immigrants here yeah. first thing is i'm scratching my head they, they're talking to us you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And really, when you're thinking about election, you're thinking who supports him, who has very good immigration policies. That's the person I will support. You know, it's like mm-hmm. every other person, you know, who has the most manageable immigration policy, you know. It's 
really not me accepting or settling into being, and I feel like it's in, it's almost unattainable being German. Mm. Yeah, my, yeah. My roots identity, like my home country, the identity that I carry from home. I mean, I spend the better part of my youth in Nigeria, right? Yeah. Then coming here and fitting in 100% to be like almost German is almost unattainable for me. I, there's so many things I cannot stop. I still find myself yeah. Nigerian food. And that's why, you know, when I'm home, sometimes I say, okay, let me just go out to the restaurant. Let me just eat something different, you know, for a change. And, you know, I try to mix it up. I buy uh, food stuff that are not necessarily Nigerian. And then I just mix and, you know, try and do so many other things. But I still have a very Nigerian palette. Like it's still, I'm still very Nigerian in the real sense of it. In my core, right? I can only maybe just act I cannot even act German successfully, but <laughs> like yeah, and 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 thing is like it's 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 always going to be hard to be not be Nigerian because even the German even the German culture predates you as a human being predates yeah. the the hundred year old German, yeah. right? So it's it's always going to be hard, and I think you know when you, when you spoke earlier about the sort of way you realized your social identity, I thought that was very powerful because yeah. when when people at home call you. And and you complain about those kind of things. I feel like even when you even when you try and explain it to them, you would never do a good job of explaining how it feels. Number one, they will never they will never do a good job understanding where you're coming from. Yeah. Number two, because what you're feeling is something that before you felt it, you never even knew existed. Mm-hmm. Right. So so I thought I thought like you know it's it's a very very complex place to be, and I feel like even even though you're there for the next six years as you said part of you would always remain the same right and actually yeah. that actually leads me to to the point of assimilation where you know one will ask oh well um th- when you go into a new um, environment do you discard your old culture or or, or is there a middle ground but, but before i go into that toby like so yeah. you've gone into ghana quite similar in a way to nigeria <laughs> in a subtle way yeah but one might think that okay, and in Ghana it should be seamless, or I suspect not. Yeah, now my suspicions valid or so it it's a bit of it's a bit of both in the sense that so first of all, my case was a little different. I think in terms of hearing both of your story and how you sort of like struggled at the start, I don't think that was a big deal for me here because I was also like like I joined a larger community, like I joined like a microcosm of what you will call Ghana because I was in an international company that had a, like as an international community that we were in, in that space, I think we were a community of about 200 people and only maybe about 20% were actually like Ghanaians, Ghanaians, like everybody else was from Nigeria, from other parts of Africa, sometimes even from outside the continent, even the house that I was living in, I think we were actually more Nigerians on the house than anybody else. Um, and we're not, I think it was only like one Ghanaian in the house. And this was a Ghanaian that didn't even grow up in Ghana per se. So I think in the early days of, of my moving to Ghana, like the first one to two years, I think I was very sheltered from what might make life difficult entering a new culture. You know, our our company had a kitchen that provided three square meals. So you didn't actually have to look for food outside. Like if you're not the kind of person that wants to be adventurous, you will not be, which I'm, I tend to be that kind of person. So 
I've, and you know the thing the thing about what you said I attended about how you know you don't want to live somewhere for a while and then you know when you leave, someone asks you about something I can't really speak about it I almost think that that's almost mm-hmm. my story because up until the last six months I think I was very sheltered and removed from what the core Ghanaian culture might be obviously if I go out to certain places you some things will always jump in your face right in a car with an uber guy that's Ghanaian and you speak and you know the, the conversation <laughs> <laughs> the conversation about being Nigeria comes up or mm-hmm. or you know maybe you're in the car you're in an Uber and maybe things are going crazy on the road and you're just looking at the driver being so calm and just normal and you, you're about to wind down and like really just scream at someone's <laughs> face like was like, <laughs> like something's wrong with you like I, I've had my road rage has reduced a bit but you know it's still there like there was one day I almost screamed you about someone because I was like you know what like what the hell are you doing but I realized okay fine obviously so those bits and pieces come in in terms mm-hmm. of the food I've always been a picky eater so even in Nigeria I wasn't necessarily the most adventurous eater so here it was very easy to fall back into my very Nigerian shell um and lucky enough I found a few Nigerian restaurants here and there. There are a few Ghanaian meals that I like, but honestly, if I tell if I tell you what they are, you probably see how they connect to what I like in Nigeria. So it's mm-hmm. like I've not really been adventurous. I've not lived in any other city besides Accra. The only places I've gone was in my first year. I haven't really gone out of Accra because I don't really like traveling like that on the roads and stuff. So to be fair, I think the knowledge I have about Ghana is mostly from being an introvert and people watching as opposed to experiencing. So like. Mm-hmm. I feel that I don't know that people some some always more outgoing might hear that and be like I've wasted an opportunity of really like you know understanding your culture blah blah blah. I think t- I I do I think when I joined the dance community here that also helped integrate me a bit more into Ghanaian culture because a lot of people in my dance group are you know Ghanaian and so I get to interact with them understand the Ghanaian pigeon a lot. M- better because it's very different <laughs> not very different but I, I think you know so maybe as someone who studied languages as well it's in there what i what i didn't realize is how much like patois or pigeon in itself has its own like their 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 grammatical rules and everything even within what we feel isn't a formal mm-hmm. language so mm-hmm. even, even though yeah. they're able to test them in an exam and say oh this is how to speak it there's a way you use certain words like when we in nigeria say i did come right the day that we use that we feel it's a verb when you use it in that sense in Ghanaian pigeon it's it doesn't fit like you don't understand what you're saying so for me i think that's just been the fascinating part about me but in terms of integration i won't say i've struggled because i don't think i've actually even integrated but i've just learned how to people watch and observe and you know just move along mm-hmm. but i wouldn't say you know i've become you know Ghanaian in that sense by staying here even though our cultures are very much similar when it comes to food here yeah, for me my loyalties light my belly you know um whatever it is that that fills me up because when it comes to food i'm not emotionally attached to food mm. food for me is just like literally i'm going to the gas station to refill myself mm. and get on mm. my day there's some occasions where you know my friend might make me a good meal and it's fantastic and i love it but honestly since i've been here i just eat to produce my energy and keep on living and it's, mm-hmm. it's a it's a weird thing because you know you, you can you can catch me eating you know a British meal in much British sense. Obviously, okay, some meals may not be palatable immediately, but I there was never a point when I got here where I said, "Oh, I'm only Nigerian food." Now, actually, if anything, Nigerian food is even too expensive for me to even balance and maintain as a student in those days. And so I was like, you know what? I will convert British food to Nigerian. I'll make it brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> oh my god i can't better say that yeah but like... i would i'll make i'll find if i'll find a way to bring in the middle because 
Yeah. I just feel well. I I want to eat every time, mm-hmm. and be my my appetite can match my budget sticking to Nigerian food. Mm-hmm. So so I had to find a way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but you both mentioned something important about you know when you integrate you you thought you know that if somebody asked me about my where I am right now, I want to be able to say something about it. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to be able to give an account for it, and mm-hmm. you know that links very nicely to the strategies of of immigration and according to some guy called john berry where he said you know you can assimilate by by you know bringing like like taking away everything you know about your former place so like you go into germany go into the us you go into ghana as an Nigerian, and you drop everything you know and you identify with a new place right some people do that I've, i think i might have seen that in some cases right before in some other cases, you know, you might hold on to your culture at all costs and you don't want to yeah. adopt the new one, mm-hmm. right? So you yeah. you hold on to yours. You say, you know what, I'm Nigerian from, from day to day. I'm not going to do anything British or Ghanaian or German. That is, that again, I have seen. In other cases as well, some people don't identify with their yeah. old culture, yeah. right? Or the new one. You're just like, mm-hmm. you're just like, in, in, in any land that, that, that keeps you going. Whereas on the, on the last end, some people have, want to have both. So you want to have a strong yes. sense with your culture and a strong sense with the, with the other culture. Now for you both, where do you fall on that four, on those four by four options? Let me start with you, Toby. Yeah. All right, um, so next. I'm, I'm in the third category. Um, as much as I'm, I'm very Nigerian um, in, in, in some regard, like, Outside the group of Nigerians, I can feel very Nigerian. But even when I was in Nigeria, there were a lot of things that I don't think I naturally like identified with fully in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like beyond the general social things, yeah. But I think for a lot of times I didn't feel like I really fit into like the Nigerian culture per se. And so moving moving to Ghana, like I wasn't going to take up the Ghanaian culture either. So I've just always been this person. I've been myself in that sense. Um, and obviously being in Ghana here, I've identified more with like the popular Nigerian culture. So that's the thing, right? I think the, 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 the culture that you see from the outside, right, is very different from <clears throat> what that really is on the ground. So although now that I'm outside, I can claim the, you know, the nice parts of Nigerian culture and, you know, be very Nigerian, you know, stand up to, to it and represent it. But like when I'm back home, I'm like, I don't exactly want to be Nigerian in that sense. So it's like, you pick the good parts of what you can see from, from the outside. So yeah, I think the third category of, you know, Again, not picking the culture you came with, but also not exactly like picking on the culture that you have, but just like, I don't know, just be existing basically in a way that works for you is what I've done, which sounds a bit like the fourth one as well. But I don't think I deliberately go out to say, oh my God, like this is a thing I've seen in Ghana that is a very nice Ghanaian culture. I need to learn how to do like, be like this person a bit more. No, I think I learned enough to appreciate it, but not to like, you know, assimilate it in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I think I fall into the last category. I think the last category is wanting to retain your identity from home as well as fit into the new one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's my that's where I will fall into because um, you know, I really like I mentioned, like I don't want to leave here after seven, eight years and not have anything tangible about Germany, hmm. right? Say to anyone who asks me, say, ah, come, you've lived in Germany seven years. Tell me something about Germany. And I'm like, eh. They eat a lot of potatoes, you know, it's just that. And mm. I really want to be very, very grounded here. You know, I am to an extent, 
from like if you're looking at it from the outside but it feels also like it's a two-way thing integration is a two-way process Mm. the feeling of being accepted into the fold that you want to be integrated to right Mm. and the feeling that you carry yourself i mean i I don't even know how to explain it 100 percent, but it's just like when there's already a stumbling block right or like a barricade right Mm. At the entrance of the culture or the society that you're trying to integrate into, it's hard for you, right? Mm. In that sense, you do not automatically lose your, you know, identity from home because you Mm. need it. You cannot be without an identity. So I feel like that's the point that I'm at right now. Not that the German society says, hey, back up. We don't want you, right? But it's like, it's very hard. Everyone who sees me don't see any German, even if, over time, my German has become better and I work in German, right? I mean, I'm a consultant and I speak German every day of my life. There's still, oh, so where are you from? Every time. <laughs> and, you know, and when you're trying to say like, okay, so a friend, a German friend taught me and said, you know what? Don't ever say you're from Nigeria again. Just say where you studied, right? So where I studied was Fulda. So when I say, Oh yeah, folder. And then they say, um, no, I mean, where you're really from, where your parents are from. You know? Maybe sometimes I could get the curiosity, but it's too much. You know, like when I say I'm from somewhere, just take it and keep it moving, right? But like, no, like, I mean, there are people who've been born here, right? Who are Africans, right? Pure Africans from both African parents, and they don't know anywhere else as home, right? Than Germany. Yeah, so why are you asking? So what? Like, why can it not be the same for me when I say, oh, I'm from here? Mm. I mean, just accept it and move on. Mm. But also, I think in the tongue, right, it's easy for them to detect, of course. And they're like, oh, okay, you're not part of us. So it's the language and the accents automatically puts a barrier. And um, now wanting to hold on to at least you must have something, right? Not wanting to lose everything. It's like, okay, then I just rest in my Nigerian, you know, identity. Mm. But it's also hard, right? Because when you think about the, the, the slang IJGB, right? I just got back. It could sound very nice. But some, at some point, I started feeling a little bit insulted with it, kind of. In the sense that, oh, say, oh, IJGBs are around. Everything will be expensive. IJGBs are around. They will start doing this. IJGBs are around. You know, it's like, you are neither here nor there anymore. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah, think so. about it. It's mm-hmm. like when you come, they feel like, oh, you come and do shakara for us or start acting elitist and all that, which I can understand. And when you're here, it's you're just not German. So it's like, where do you really fall? Like, where do you really stand per se? You know, it's it's a struggle every day, I must confess. Like you're back home or you're tra- talking to people back home. And your thought process has changed, right? Because you've been here and definitely some things have affected you. And then some people say some things and you're like, huh? <laughs> and then they're like, hmm, started. You just dispose of your thought and like, mm, you've come, I beg, Oyibo, uh, mm, Jama machine, I beg, mm, go. Oh you know, you're here. You're also saying something and then they're like, Eh, may, maybe that's how you guys read in Africa, but not here. And then you're wondering, uh-uh, what did I say wrong? <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's like, so which one would I rather be? 
But in fact, here it's harder because the first thing anyone sees is ah, the Nigerian lady, oh, the African woman, oh, the. So that's your first identity, whether you want it or not, whether you want to leave your your identity back home or all of the things you've learned back home and take up this new one. It's like a never ending back and forth. And <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I will fully, or maybe it will be, or maybe the society will finally agree and accept and say, okay, this I is what just diverse as we are, right? Like, okay, these are Nigerians and they are part of the community, right? <laughs> maybe it would ever get to that stage. Maybe I would live long to, to experience that. Maybe my children will, but I don't know. That's why I said like, it's either. I, I still have a very temporary feeling about everything. And yeah, I'm, I'm trying to maintain, you know, balance hmm. for, with both, you know, cultures and everything, but it's, yeah, it's a bit hard. So, you know, it's a very, very tough battle, as you mentioned, because you begin to lose, you almost become, you begin to lose in both aspects, right? So where you are right now, you know, you don't fit in and people remind you of that. Back home where you're from, people remind you that you've kind of left us for a while and you're sleeping away. Either, yeah. and I don't want to say deliberately or not. And yeah. there's a guilt that, might come up in some cases where you feel like you know what have i done right and yep. what can i even do better and sometimes it's not your fault for also learning learning new things whereby the your 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 ways of before no longer mm-hmm. work for you because you're, you're not exposed to certain things like actually no i can't do this anymore and then mm-hmm. because you can't do that anymore you then appear to be somebody who becomes suddenly self-righteous or someone elitist mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. very in terms of that, in terms of that integration thing, you know, I find myself trying to figure out, you know, where I fit in that as well. As um, I think, I mean, kind of like some days I'm in like Toby's box, some days I'm in your box at Tunde, where sometimes I feel like I don't, I don't have any, um, I don't have any, I, I, I don't identify every time with Nigeria in some cases, mm-hmm. but sometimes I always do, you know, um, and some sometimes I feel like, you know, I don't embrace the British and Nigerian part. Mm-hmm. But if 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 anything, I think in most cases, I think I've I've in more recently, I've embraced more 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 particularly in the last three years. And I say that because you know I've just realized that in the end, that is all I have that's that's given to me from birth. And mm-hmm. and if the people, if the if the locals of this land, you know take me as that that is great mm-hmm. if if i act like like them right if i overdo it and they sense it mm-hmm. it can be repulsive to yeah. them right mm-hmm. and if my own people back home don't take me back as a nigerian again that is not my fault and i can only hope that they mm-hmm. will right so mm-hmm. i feel like that is the safest thing to do a good example is when i was coming here actually one of my dilemmas is what do I call myself in this country, right? Do I go by Wale or Tomiwa? Mm-hmm. Some of my friends come to me from back night. Many people call me Wale. Most, mm-hmm. most, most, well, people call me Wale as well, but mostly Wale. And I said, actually, if I call myself Tomiwa, I know people will shorten my name to Tommy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw that coming straight away. And I felt, 
And particularly because even some even some Nigerian friends will come to me, well, call me Tommy. So if they do, then people here will call me Tommy. And I feel, do I want to go by Tommy in three years? I, I thought about it. I was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. And and, and, I, and I remember having these thoughts in my head right up to I like, walked into my first class where, where you meet people and say, what's your name? And because that, from that point, that is where it begins. That's, that's, right. That's, right. And I thought, what, what do I want to go as? And, and as soon as I got into the class, sat down, I said, you know what? F this shit. I'll stick with Wally. Right. And, and hopefully, and hopefully it makes sense. And since then I've done that, but I felt like obviously the, the sense where your name, your name will show where you're from. But I feel even if I put Tommy, my last name, she tells you, I don't belong mm-hmm. here in some way or the other. So I rather just stick to my name where I'm comfortable with in that sense. Mm-hmm. But thinking about what, what we've just said now, you know, there's elements where we have to protect ourselves from both dimensions, right? So protect, protecting yourself to keep saying from, you know, the, I don't want to use this word, but the micro level, the microaggressions that happen, right? Yeah. And, and I found was that automatically your, your accent starts to switch. Now, I don't even know how I sounded back in Nigeria. I, I don't remember. Right. I don't know. But I don't I don't I don't know how much of it is a deliberate attempt to fit in. Right. Mm-hmm. There's actually mm-hmm. a psychological reason thing thing for this that, that somebody said that you fit, you tend to mimic your surroundings accent mm-hmm. by default, psychological. Mm-hmm. But I think about that and say, well, that itself was part of my self-protecting thing because the, the, the people that, that I meet that I've met even as early as 2017, they would go, oh well, um, where are you from? I say where I'm from. Like, oh, your English is very good. Well, that's that's part one. So part one in sense of those dumbasses who don't know. Okay, that's a bit harsh, Wally. They're not dumbasses. <laughs> those 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 oh, ignorant true. people who <laughs> those those ignorant people who just don't know that you speak English where you're coming from, mm-hmm. right? Or expect that because you're African, you should not sound like like someone who doesn't speak English. There's that, but it could also be that your accent actually sounds like somebody from the country you're in. Because I've had a friend, I've had someone tell me that I sound like somebody from a, from a certain country when I was trying to speak in a British accent in a way. So I think some of it is innocent. I, I think some of it is ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. But again, my point there is sometimes when you switch up your accent or switch up your language, yeah. it kind of is this way of, of, protect, of protecting yourself, not, not as a way of trying to show off in any form mm-hmm. right so that's yeah. been my own my own example do you guys have any examples where you've you, you've used things you've done or said or used to protect yourself or fit in into this um new system that you're in isn't it um so one the accent right like in germany please what accent am i supposed to have please <laughs> <laughs> like the language is different so i mean i still feel like yeah most of the time when i need to speak english for people to understand me you have to twist a little bit and um but i still think i can speak in my very nigerian accent like i don't know or maybe it will change at some point like yeah that's been mm. also some kind of my protective styles and uh, also, now it just flew out of my head. I had it right now. Mm, 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 mm. 
So I feel like also I've been, <laughs> I feel like, like I mentioned that how tough it's been, right? I feel like I've become more flexible, right? With a lot of things. I'm easily um, adapting to every, you know, like code switching, right? I'm becoming better and better at it. Like, so when I'm home, or when I'm talking to someone back at home, I speak Yoruba. My Yoruba is still very fluent. My pidgin is still very fluent. My German is not 100% fluent yet, but of course, if I switch back to German, you would not know that I speak other languages and stuff like that. Mm. And um, my English, yeah, of course, we're speaking English right now. And uh, Abi, have I committed any? your english is superb oh my god you know i mean there's some things that sometimes right i forget words in english and i'm like what's that word called oh wow yeah yeah so german has kind of affected my english Mm. because of course that's why i'm learning or i'm speaking every day and operating in yeah and i'm operating in like i'm at work i'm speaking german I'm back. I want to buy bread. I'm speaking German. I want to buy water. I'm speaking German. Everything is German. So it's just when I'm in my own space. Even when I'm in my space and one call comes in, you're, you know, you know <laughs> that it's probably someone you know. So you're like, hello, hi. And then they're like, okay, hi. Hi, it's, it's Toby or someone else, you know, and then you're, you're, you fall back into your default language setting and then you're, oh, how fun now, you know. <laughs> it's uh yeah i mean that that language part is like the code switching for me has been very helpful for me i mean yeah yeah interesting for for me i think um on the name part like look well i say luckily but my name is that is that kind of name that sort of like fits into like it's very easy to pronounce regardless of where you're from so i think one thing i consciously did was um Every time, even in emails, because when, when the work I do is a lot with a lot of like international people as well. But in my emails, whenever I write my name, I I put an apostrophe before the Toby. So like mm-hmm. just to just to create that like <clears throat> image that it's not because people then start to write my name as T O B Y. That's something that happens a lot. Even if even if you are sending an email that when you are spelling the email, it's like you can see it's an mm. I. But you then, but I am. I don't. I don't take those things to heart. Like it just doesn't really mean to me. Because the thing that you think that you think that you wrote your name and you made a typo. <laughs> you made a typo. Like, like it's like so. It's me that's making a typo in my own name. Um, but the accent <laughs> thing, the, the the accent thing is quite interesting because I think even before, like I, I was listening to old voice notes that I had, and I think I always sort of had the tendency to not speak like your typical Nigerian per se. Um, obviously yep. because of the kind of like. <laughs> Like you speaking like 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 a Twitch kid for forever, forever. as far as I can remember. <laughs> yes, I remember that very well. Please. So I think but that I had it. For Ayowale, you were never really. Yeah, I honestly, I think Wally were kind of like the same. Like most of my circle of friends, yeah. I don't I don't remember anybody no, having like. And I think I had a good spell of like deep broken. Deep broken. I, I had the streets and I had the streets season. <laughs> Trust me. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the street season. Ah. No, I was more with... in the streets, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> no, to be fair, I also had a street season, but I'm just like when, when it came to what speaking street? English. People are not street. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like what street? 
Don't take this from the owners of the streets. No, no, I'm fighting on their behalf now. No way. Both of you guys have been pushed from forever. Forever. Okay, fine. Okay, I'll accept that. Well, I, I think recently I was on a call with, like, it was like an Instagram live with um some some of my old circles in Nigeria. And the first thing that someone said when I came on was, ah, there is no Ghana that you're in. Why is your tongue like, you know, rolling like this? And that thing pisses me off, God. And, and I was, so for me, it was, I could sense it because one time too, when I came back to Nigeria, even when I was still in Nigeria, but I started to work. The thing you said about your environment also affecting this. Like by the time I was jumping on too many calls with, you know, a lot of international people, I think it brought out a lot of the things that maybe, you know, act, moving from life force, for example, in Nigeria to ISI might have taken away. Those things started to come back a lot more. Mm. I know all the shows that you watch. I think I, I'm this sponge that soaks up a lot of things. And so the first thing, again, when I jump on calls, they're like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Nigeria. I was like, oh, you have like a US Western kind of accent. And I, again, I have no explanation for it, but I just, you know, smile, laugh it off and push the conversation forward a bit more. But when someone said it on the, when I was in a Nigerian circle and someone then referenced it in that kind of way, I was like, okay, I hope people don't think that I'm trying to pretend like, because that, 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 I feel that would hurt me a lot more if people thought I was trying to be pretentious by, you know, speaking with an accent because I I don't know, sometimes I listen to the podcast as well and I'm like, okay, I I get it. Bro, it does. It does. Like, like, um, um, I can never forget there's times where not not just one person, but different people. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause okay. So like my dad, lived in england for many years right many many years before mm. before he came back to nigeria and and in my my house right my mom was more of the nigerian than my dad so my dad has always had you know very very he was never a cultural man of cultures he's been he's been he always had rationality with culture mm. but my point in this story is like my dad never ate any meal with his hands mm. right mm. i'm just growing up for him, that was that was not a posting. He just always used a fork and a knife in his mm-hmm. meals. My mom, the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. My sisters took us at my mom. I took us at my dad mm-hmm. in, 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 in how we ate. Mm-hmm. I remember that even as early as ISI days, still university days, still after university days, when I go out, mm-hmm. you know, get pounded jam, pounded jam being my, my best meal anyway. You, and I'll say, oh, can I get a fork? <laughs> right. And then people yeah. look at you one kind of like, oh, like, why do you want a fork? Mm. Are you, are, are have you, you traveled me? out before? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, are you for me? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just need a fork. Exactly. It's not, it's, 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 that word. yeah. Are you for me? And it's like, no, I'm not. I, I just need a fork to eat. Cause that's all I've done since I was <laughs> age six, seven, eight, nine, yeah, 10. Yeah, and, and, and yes, and yeah, you're right too, because it does hurt you more when, when when people of your own kind kind of dismiss you as as not representing them mm-hmm. even before you realize a different life exactly yeah you know, yeah, 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 it's, yeah it's it's such a it's such a weird conundrum and 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 i'm glad you said that because you know it's it's just um something that happened but yeah continue what you're saying i don't know if i caught you up. yeah no no so i was basically i didn't know that point as well so i think so even when I listen to the podcast as well, and I hear, like, I can now start to hear what people are hearing a lot more as I've just listened to myself talk a lot more times. Um, and, and, and yeah, and I've also gotten into a lot. Like, even when I go to, like, Kenya or South Africa and things like that, they're like, oh, you don't sound Nigerian. You don't act Nigerian. You don't, like... So I think sometimes, in a way, shape, and form, that has pushed me to latch onto more, 
I guess Nigerian things when I'm outside the country because obviously like I don't want to lose that. I'm proud I'm proud in a lot more ways than one to be Nigerian like there, there's certain like even when it comes to relationships and being with other people I almost feel that I might sound very traditional but I just feel growing up i always felt that oh i wanted to like when people ask me what what kind of person do you want to get married to i always had this weird combination of like nigerian british french person like just that that mix was what yeah 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 i'm like "Mm -hmm." yeah no no so where's that from no 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 so like maybe dad nigerian maybe mom is international french and then the person has (laughs) grown up both (laughs) i'm dead the person has spent time Wow. <laughs> and the person has spent time both in like in the uk and in france so that was always like my my own image but as i've grown older i found because like, i've also been involved in a lot more international circles and i've just found myself maybe i don't know why it is but i just feel like at the end of oh, the day oh, oh, oh by the way for for that yeah for that yeah i have yeah. a theory but i won't sit down on the podcast yeah we'll see, in the back room we'll discuss that theory is not wild to be honest but okay I, I think theory is also very biological yeah i just think you're, you're describing you've imagined a life you're describing somebody that almost represents someone similar to your mother as simple as that mm. i think it's that simple but funny and, enough and i think mom, it's just a normal my, my mom is very nigerian though like my yeah mom your, mom, your mom your mom your mom is very nigerian in sense but your mom has always been a okay, yeah, like, different kind of nigerian yeah, yeah, if you yeah, get yeah. what i mean so so i think but yeah let's not even digress into a different kind of topic for from from oh. immigration <laughs> stories back to immigration stories yes um yes but I'm glad you mentioned relationships, and I think that's important as well. As an immigrant, how do you navigate relationship? Because as you say, but you know, before I would right, you see, you see some sense of belonging, mm-hmm. love, friendship, whatever you want to put that box in. You should need to have people that you can connect to mentally and emotionally. How do you manage that? How did you integrate that? Let me start by saying for myself. Um, mine was a bit tricky because. When I got here, um, I don't think. And when I got here, I think I think I was chasing the wrong things, and, and which is and which is why I didn't really understand myself in the social space. And what I mean by that was I was I was trying to you know do the things that we did in Nigeria in terms of talking to women, but I didn't understand that there's a different you know way of dating here. So even 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 as simple as talking stage I spoke about last week, you know, those kind of things, you know, came into play as well. You know, how you meet somebody at a party and, and how that translates into, you know, a drink. Sometimes it wasn't a case whereby women are, are more forthcoming, but you're not used to it. So you're like, what is going on? Mm. Chill. Like, you know, so there were just so many things to learn in oh that space God. that I felt like, whoa, what is going on? You know, but it took me quite a bit, I would say quite a bit to understand. But then again, being this kind of environment, you're also exposed to women from different cultures as well, right? So not just British women, but also Nigerian women who grew up in England, but slash other African women in England, slash European women. It's a lot. So you're yeah. almost like pinging from this, that, this, that, this, that. And it's like, well, what do you do? So I think I think that was a very tricky part for me um, coming here. But again, thankfully... I, it, I didn't really struggle with it, thankfully, um, for some reason. I think it helped 
it always helps. I believe my theory is it always helps when you stay true to yourself. So I, I don't, and I don't, and I don't see a point where I never, I ever shied away from the fact that oh, I'm Nigerian. You know, I mean, like I was this skinny Nigerian black kid who just came to to England, and you know, I, I speak to everybody. Oh, where are you from? This is where I'm from. In fact, like what I always do is like when tell, when when people ask for your name, like my name is Wally, and they like go Wally as in Wally, where's Wally? And they say W eight L L Y or Wally as in the alien cartoon. Like no, it's Wally, and I didn't tell them what what my name actually means. So my name is Wally from Iwole Tomiwa, and it means this. And like, wow, interesting. So that actually is always even a good way to come to start conversation. So I found that sticking to my my identity as an Nigerian, or rather, not deliberately trying to shove it away, mm-hmm. always helps. Always helped because mm-hmm. you can always act like 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 a London boy, but in the end you get found out. But to, who says, who says yeah. London boys are even dope anyway, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I found that as, as a useful way to navigate. But how about you, Asinde? How did you navigate, you know, being new and relationships? I've not navigated it fully because I'm too single. Somebody pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. I can't get the hang of it. I don't know what is going on. You know, I mean... Uh, Talk my, to me, Dr. Phil is in the house. Oh, my relationship life has been in shambles. Hey, help me. Oh, <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm joking, but it's, I feel like, I still spoke about this with a friend of mine. I feel like my my relationship, whatever, was terrible in Nigeria, but it became worse when I got here. First of all, like you mentioned, like, sticking to your roots and um still wanting people to accept you like that and then going you know meeting people with that mentality and with that mindset right so first of all i expected people to walk up to me am i not a damsel you know? uh... and it never happened <laughs> and the ones that did were some really really creepy idiots sorry mm. and it became so creepy that I got scared at some point, right? Wow. Uh, so I've had very terrible whatever. Hmm. In this <laughs> Look at that sigh. Did you hear if that I, sigh? Did you hear I, that sigh? <laughs> <laughs> if I start to talk, God, it's a lot. You know, from people who have fetish about black girls, you know I'm black, black. Mm-hmm. You know I am I'm chocolate <laughs> black. When I'm going on the street, some people are licking lips. You know, it is disgusting. (laughs) To someone creeping up to you, wanting to touch your skin. (sighs) To people finding you out on Instagram and sending you all sorts, unsolicited pictures. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. You wake up and you Ah. see all shapes and sizes and colors (laughs) on your phone. And they're like... In the DMs. Yeah. I'm hot. Oh, advantage. In fact, when I moved to this building, I made like I I just said something about it on my WhatsApp because I was really tired. I'd had enough of it. My neighbor sent me a very nasty message that if I was ever down for a threesome, maybe you take this off camera. I don't know, but like that if I was ever down, uh-huh. that would have some role play. Uh-uh. With his fiance, see, uh-uh. I get this. See, fiance, I'm dead. I'm dead. And he's like, we've never had it with an African, so uh-uh. 
we'll be happy to see and i at first i felt it was every african that was getting it but then i spoke to my light-skinned friends and they never got it apparently the darker you are <laughs> wanted you are or the more wanted you are no see no. it has as much as I want to be on, you know, like the old dating and relationship, whatever here is different from what you have in Nigeria. It's mm-hmm. mostly, you know, it goes down in the DMs or, you know, dating sites and all of that. As much as I want to be present on those, I know that it's mostly goats that will approach me. <laughs> Creeps. Yeah. Exactly. You know, the ones that will be like, woo. Ooh. and then you're like what is it <laughs> you know they're like oh i love your black skin oh you know in the beginning it seems nice yeah but, like you, know, you get tired of it. yeah mm. like you know your neighbor and then i had to start ordering more pepper sprays and keeping it at my door because i just don't know this is my neighbor right <laughs> send me that kind of nasty message how did how did he get my number he picked up my package for me funny thing he had googled my name everywhere wow this peak it was really creepy and linkedin gave me a notification like oh this person check you out and i'm like on linkedin <laughs> mate do you know how desperate you got to get to leave elevate linkedin yes uh, in fact, my name on Google, maybe I'm still opening everything that related that was related to me. And I was like, Haba, why? Why? You know, I wanted to go talk to him about it, but I'm like, let you start rolling. You know, hey, God, I went. Hmm. But this guy was so creepy still that he left his door open and he said, What? Hoping that I'll probably come in. Hmm. Isn't that the creepiest thing you've ever heard in this life? Wow. That, that, that is that is that is a lot. That is uh, that. Oh, question, question, right? Question. And my question might be a you might not like the question, or two might not like the question. One of them might not like the question. But could it be that if you grew up in Germany, that that would be more normal to you? No, because I figured out that you know when I met friends that were born here right that also had the same that they also mm. had the same problem Mm-mm. like they just see us as very exotic the darker you are the more problems with men you would have wow Which, mm. Mm. i don't know the social whatever theory i can use to classify this maybe it's the stereotype of black women back then or whatever being you know really sex or whatever you know sex toys and shit like that maybe that's the background to it i cannot 100% explain it but i get this and it is bloody annoying and you know so sometimes even when i become open and i'm like okay let's see so by the way i've dated a german before right maybe two you know (laughs) It, the, I feel like the, the first point of attraction is also the skin. Yeah. When you have been through people wanting you for the wrong reasons, it starts to become annoying, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, I understand. I cannot also see some guy on the road and be thinking of what's inside of him. It's the physical appearance that, first of all, attracts mm-hmm. me. Right? But it has become so tiring for me that even when a white guy approaches me. I'm like, oh, okay, 
my eyes are rolling in my head like what does it want okay same thing so like even now like like you can't even tell which one is genuine from like first interaction exactly and that's my problem and you know the place that i'm in majority of the men are germans are whites right so you would think that i would probably just settle for a white guy and all that i mean that's my environment if i'm looking for someone to date within my environment have you ever spoken to this with a white german woman yes for yes. perspective yes so she told me that yes um a lot of them have fetish and also that um a number of german men do not 100% want german women 100% why that they feel like german women are very um sometimes want to be up to par with the men like they are very you know like egalitarian exactly but for african women because of whatever stereotype they have that you clean the house you keep the home you will be submissive this is very interesting it is also annoying and you know they it's like some kind of want for you know to be magnified in your own home and be treated like mm-hmm. a king right so they say that oh an african woman will treat you like a king right that a german woman will necessarily not do because she feels like we're equal partners where you know i do not have to treat if you do not treat me this way i cannot treat you that way because that's how it is in culture right because i have and i resonate with that thought process because in the end, right, I have heard, like, like I said, like I've evolved. Sometimes I keep a part, you know, I still have some part of me being Nigerian and some part of me being German, quote unquote, right? So there are certain things that are not negotiable for me. I cannot be with a man that I will cater to 100%. He has to cater to me as well. Maybe back then in Nigeria, well, I had that mentality, oh, you have to cater to your man and all that. But it has changed for me over time. And so, like, the two German guys that I dated back then, right, it was such that I got, I often got complained that, like, someone saying, like, one of them told me, you're even more German than I, than I thought. And I'm like, how do you mean? Yes. Jeez. Like, you don't act African. <laughs> so it's like, and in both, in both, whatever, not i will not call them i will not classify them as relationships for less than five months right as in both cycles right it was me trying to prove and reevaluate my africanness <laughs> do you understand uh, that? <laughs> you said you're rubbing your head like okay this is wild for me on the other hand um honestly like i, I think i shared this on a couple of different episodes my like why I would say I've not really like jumped into the dating scene here is a combination of different things. My already, like the community I was in already was very international. So I wasn't really exposed to like the general culture, but I also think because of the kinds of things I look for, I feel like people can force me for this, but I feel like it'd be very difficult for me to be with someone that like is completely like 
Ghanaian in the sense that grew up here and hasn't really like explored beyond, I feel like it will just create more trouble. Um, not not saying it's bad. I'm just saying for me as a person, I feel like there's a lot less would have in common, a lot more personality clashes and just thought process clashes that might happen in that kind of situation. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask you and just say like, so are, are you just saying that most Ghanaian women do not fit your criteria for women that you want to be with or the culture itself does not f- help does not fit into what you want i don't know the, i don't know if what i said is even mm. a different statement mm. Mm-hmm. But I just want to understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, there's a bit of a difference in what you said and what you've said. But I think it's less about the culture. Or actually, no, in a, in some ways, I think. <sighs> okay, let me. I'm trying to be very careful with how I paint this because it's not like I have any like prejudices or things. I just feel like um, the kinds of things that I guess makes relationships work in that sense. If you've grown up from very, very different cultures and very, very different. Okay, wait. Mindset. Let me. Yeah. Let me help you out. Yeah. Can you give an example of an Nigerian woman you've, you've met that is different from Ghana women you've always meeting that shows those differences in what you might be looking for in terms of now that in Ghana you've seen something different. Uh, uh no, I don't think uh, it, it's going to be hard to, to do that. So. I, I think it's more like, I feel like we've had very different, like, to be fair, like I said, Ghanaian culture and Nigerian culture, they're similar in a lot of ways, right? And Ghanaian women and Nigerian women do have like some similarities, but I just think it's more, I think what I'm speaking about is more of an outlook on life generally, which culture plays a part in it, but it's also more, right, about, right. The, it's more about the individual themselves. So it feels, again, I could be wrong, but it feels like a lot of the Ghanaian women that I've met, you know, over the last couple of years since living here, the Ghanaian women I've been exposed to, there's a tendency for them to have a less global outlook on a lot of things, right? There, there's a tendency for for them to be a lot more traditional or fall into more traditional like tropes generally, right? Like if you think of a typical Nigerian woman trope, it's a bit Sorry, more, man. yeah. The typical Nigerian woman trope, as even I attended as described, is a lot more, you know, out there, like you know stand for not actually no that point is not necessarily very salient but anyways i feel like maybe i'm making sense but the may, point is it may not be the nigerian mantra it may, it, 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 it may not be the southwestern southwestern nigerian woman again yeah, i don't know but yeah, i think i get your point in yeah, a way yeah yeah and I, I get your point because yeah I, I, think, I think i get your point um but yeah let me not put you in trouble sorry about that <laughs> let, let's wrap up with this right <laughs> Let's wrap up with this. Um, so the fact that we're all the way from um, home and, you know, we're all in different countries, you know, you tend to always look back, right? And now I want to ask two questions. The second question is more is more of a simple answer, but the first is a bit more complex. Question one to you both as a wrap-up is, does the, does the unrest and the 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 bad news and the instability and the issues at home how often does that bother you now and how does that contribute to your stress levels your mental health levels in that sense so stress from unrest from home politically socially culturally whatever you know and second question is where do you see yourself dying understand that's that's a good it's just ridiculous oh let me let me start with toby um 
So second, I'll start with the second question. And sorry for the noise. It's, oh, it's but, really, oh, by the way, like really... when I say, and, and, and by the way, and when I say what is it of dying, I mean like obviously when you're like old and yeah. gray and you're well, very old. It's, it's, That's it's, what I mean. I know, like I know what you're trying to do with how you also shape the question, but like it's still, <laughs> it's still just very random. Um, but in terms of that one, I don't know. So essentially, you're asking where do I see myself like spending a larger percentage of my life? Um, I don't know where, but I don't think it will be Nigeria. That's what I like from where I'm sitting right now. Um, for a lot of different reasons, not because of again some of the first points that you've mentioned. But let me leave that answer to my first point or to the first question you asked, which is how what is going on in Nigeria like contributes to my stress level. Um, it has ebbed and flowed, you know, quite a bit. And obviously, as things have gotten a bit more intense, it's become a lot harder to ignore. Like it's not in your face every day per se, because you're not living that experience. But again, we're a very connected community online, and you see all of these things. And so, I think I've started to feel that second degree of stress. But also knowing that, like my a large percentage of my family is still there, right? And it's not like you can up and move everybody away in that sense. So, and I still want to see Nigeria do well. Like a, a lot of yeah, I want to see my country do well. So in that in that regard, a lot of what goes on back home definitely still, you know, affects me a lot. Um, you know, obviously there's less, there's not so much you can do. And it's not like you can say it's affecting me so much. I want to move back to change things. I think that's a very naive, you know, perspective to have about these things. But um, yeah, it definitely affects stress levels. The whole, like, it was really difficult. The end of was was... was I don't. I, I can't imagine how it must have been for those on the ground, you know, on the front lines and all these things. But even from here, it's actually hard to get through a day of work without, like, you're trying to reply emails, but you know, you know, stuff is going on back home. A lot of people are putting a lot of things on the line, and all you can do is retweet and like. And it just felt intense. I know a couple of coworkers at the time would reach out and be like, "Look, if you need to take a minute," and in my head, I'm like, "That's nice, but it's like, what am I taking a minute from per se?" Like, I'm not saying mental health isn't important, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. it just. I guess survivor's guilt may be in a very minute form that, you know, you're not facing those things on a daily basis. Like, yeah, it's, so, it's, it's weird here that police checkpoints here, like nothing, like for me, see my hair, for, if I was like, I can't carry, like the one reason I was able to do this dreadlocks thing on my hair was because, again, I didn't feel like, yeah, I won't be in Nigeria now. So like even right now, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, when next time, I, it's, this is affecting my decision to want to go to Nigeria because I'm like, okay, with this on my head, can create certain situations that I'm not ready for. I've been stopped by checkpoints here in, in Ghana. Again, because of once they hear your accent and once you're Nigerian, there's a certain perspective around Nigerian people here. So some policemen will always like stop you and take you through a search. But I'm 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 never scared for my life. Like it's always a very chill experience. Sometimes they're very intrusive. They go through your phone. They can take 10 minutes, 15 minutes scrolling through, doing all of these things. But in my head, I'm like, they're not going to shoot me. They're not going to like again, like once they don't find anything, it's just going to be a straightforward experience. It's bad that they're targeting Nigerians in that way, but it doesn't happen so often that it becomes like such a problem per se. But I'm like, you know, if this was happening in Nigeria, God knows what will have been going through my head in that sense. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, in that way, just seeing things like that mm-hmm. happen uh, can be stressful or it is stressful in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in my own case, yeah, like you mentioned, like the second degree of stress is gradually in, right? And um, just like Toby, I also have a larger part of my family back in Nigeria, even though not my immediate family, like my nuclear family, everyone is out. But I have my grandma, I have cousins, I have very good friends still in Nigeria. And, you know, you just hear this news and you're like, oh, God, when is everything going to be better and stuff like that? 
um so, so that's why i mentioned like maybe i'm it's gradually creeping in and um somehow i feel like going to the next question i feel like i want to die at home in nigeria <laughs> maybe i'm overly patriotic for obvious reasons <laughs> but like i still feel like um i'm going to end up back home kind of and uh, maybe that's also been you know a huge determinant in you know my dating pool kind of now I'm really looking out for Africans or someone I know can go back home with me and stuff like that <laughs> and <laughs> for like um I may live somewhere else besides Germany but I feel like the later part of my life is going to be in Nigeria I don't know when but I know kind of I'm about eight, 60 to 80% sure that I will be back home in my later life Interesting. Interesting. What mm. about you? You know, the reason why I, the reason why I asked that question is because I find myself thinking and just saying, like, okay, I'm gonna die. I'm just one man out of a billion people, eight billion people on earth. Mm-hmm. Some people will cry when I die, but some people will not even know. Some people will cry and next day they forget. But I'm just thinking, like, so if I just die here now, like I'm just in this strange land like i'm just i'm just standing like what is going on but again i'm thinking is that because i've not spent enough time Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. so so like if i spend maybe extra extra 26 years double the time no not 26 24 23 years Mm -hmm. double the time that that i was in nigeria would i feel differently i don't know so uh, as it stands now i think it's possible that if i do if i do end up staying in the uk because um, I might go to a different country as well. That's also possible. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I end up staying in the UK, it's possible that when I'm at that age, retiring age, I might go back to Nigeria. Because the thing is, honestly, if Nigeria really gets to a decent level of better, to, if Nigeria gets back to at least when I was like nine years old, if I'm, if I'm 60, I, I, think, I, think I'm, I think I'm rushing yeah. back. Honestly, yeah. I... Mm-hmm. I, I I think I think I'm rushing back. I don't see I'm I'm never rushing to Lagos. I'm rushing to Ibadan, bro. Like I don't exactly. <laughs> I, exactly. I, I don't I don't I don't see anything like I don't think and think that people don't understand that as an immigrant. Like I don't think anybody really wants to leave home deep down. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to leave. Like I miss I miss I miss Nigeria. Like. Even though, even though I don't miss all the all the things that go on, but you can never you can never underestimate the feeling of just being around among people that just exactly. get you automatically. I get you and understand. Where you don't where, where, where you have to think about three four steps. To be even even though you're in Ghana, you still think about the fact that you're not you're not at home from mm-hmm. a sort of reason, yeah. right? And yeah. I think every day, every day, every day, every single day, I can't stress enough. Every day, you're you're thinking, you're remembering that Omo, I know day else. <laughs> like every day, and I can't stress how much of a psychological turmoil it might accumulate to be. Yeah. Particularly, particularly if your your exploits here are not leading to immediate success. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank th- thankfully for us, for us three of us, it doesn't seem like that's the case. So thank God for that. But, yeah. but I can imagine somebody who who who's who's um, exploits here are not really successful. And they're thinking, so why why am I here? Am I not here? Yeah. If you're not feeling. If, if 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 I'm not failing, you don't even want to go back because you know if you go back, you feel like oh, well, you came back as a failure. Mm-hmm. It is a turmoil mentally, yeah. you know. Yeah. But you know that's why I just said 
I, I don't know yet. So if it gets better, we'll see what happens. But but yeah, I, I think as this what's the first question I ask? How, how do I deal with unrest? Honestly, I just I try and not I try and detach from it. That's my strategy for dealing with that unrest. Mm-hmm. Um I try and detach from it. Ensas period, I almost left. I left Instagram for a day because I, I couldn't because I think Ensas period was I, I think I had a review. I mentioned that I had some work at that point. I, no, yeah, I was teaching. I remember I was teaching. And I remember that I had one class that, that morning. I couldn't teach properly. I said, nah, I can't. I left Instagram and social media. And mm. just, I, that's my way of doing, just detaching. And again, it's like, is that the right thing to do? No, but it's a, it's a way to cope with the mental stress. Yeah. So I guess, like, on all fronts, like, so when you come in, when you navigate, even though being an immigrant has opportunities, there are a lot of challenges that that are short term and some are long term and some will be some will be eternal to you there, you know, yeah. that you never get away with. But I guess it's just one's journey to balance um opportunity, success versus versus the form, versus the past, versus the fears of what is back home and fears of what might hold you back. And you know, so as we leave, may, may, may God help us. May God help us. Mm-hmm. But today, honestly, um, yes. thank you so much for coming. I know I've taken out of your time, for me, out of your time. <laughs> Before you go, do you, want, do you want to tell everybody about yourself? So recap your name, where you are, what you do, and everything, what you hope to do in the next five years or whatever. <laughs> A brief recap. Why are you laughing though? I don't know. I just, I just think about it because if I had to answer the questions, it would be quite interesting, but sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay, anyway, so my name is Ayotile Akin, so you know. And I'm Nigerian, obviously, and uh, not obviously, but yeah, I'm Nigerian. Um, I live in Germany in a small town called Ilmenau, um, in the eastern part of Germany, if that says anything to you. <laughs> and um, so I currently work at the University of uh, Ilmenau, the Technical University of Ilmenau, and I work as, uh, or I am the advice, academic advisor for international students and refugee students. Mm. So if you have anyone who wants to study in Germany, send them to me <laughs> or especially the university. And um, I'm currently the project coordinator for Integra. It's a project or DAAD, German Academic Exchange Service. So that helps mm. to ease the process of, you know, immigration, especially for students or academics here in Germany. And also, you know, just sponsor and help international students generally with all studies and everything how you know we know how hard it could be it could be for non-germans studying here you know financially and so yeah coordinate that project and what do i see myself in the next five years um in the next five years i hope that i already have my my doctorate (laughs) 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 that i have my doctorate and that i am fully into my consulting shit that I can work remotely and I can work in my own terms. So I'm not a very huge nine to five person. I know that the bottom of, from bottom of my heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just really am working, you know, but you know, before you become a consultant by yourself, you need to gather experience working with different people and all that. Yeah. So that's what I'm basically doing right now. And I'm having the doctorate just to you know be like the how do you say that the icing on the cake exactly yeah, yeah. Make yeah. yeah. it just makes people want to listen to you more because you're sort of an expert in that field so nice. yeah nice. cool 
awesome. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of 20s Combos. If you enjoyed the podcast, the easiest way to help out is to leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe as well. Also, if you think a friend needs to hear this, go ahead and share it with them. They'll be glad that you did. Trust me. Alright, we release new episodes every Monday, but before then, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 20s Combos. We post quotes, polls, and other interesting content and clips from each episode every week. So, go ahead and follow us now. Till next time, take care and stay safe.